this is the penultimate uh, morning in our series looking at the church. And this morning we're going to look at um, spiritual gifts, about how God gives gifts to his church. Colin has literally just told me that he basically did this with a group of college students on Friday. And I'm a little bit like, why is he not preaching? Um, (laughs) But we could spend hours looking at spiritual gifts, um, and we probably will do at some point again in the future. Um, The reality is, though, this morning, I have time just to touch on a few key things. And then what I really want us to do is just to, uh, to pray for a few things. Um, and you'll have to forgive me, I have been um, a bit ill this week, so I've not had as much time to prepare as I would normally like to. Um, and the bit that normally takes the longest in preparing is the bit that's hopefully a little more engaging. Um, so if it is dry this morning, can you all like wave at me or something? Um, or if I start to see, yeah, Colin's already waving, great. Um, if I start to see nodding people off, he'll just skip the talking and go straight to the praying. Um, But can we start this morning by, uh, can I ask you to put your hand up if you know that God has given you a a gift or gifts? Put your hand up if you know God has given you a gift. Put it up high so I can see. Okay. Keep your hand up. There's going to be four of these, so don't put them down too quickly. Uh, Keep your hand up if you think you know what your gift is. Okay, not much change. Keep your hand up Uh, if you're using your gifts in any area of your life. It doesn't have to be in church. Any area of your life. Keep your hand up if you're using your gifts. Okay. And then one final one. Keep your hand up if you feel like you've grown in your gifting over the last year. However you measure growth is fine. But if you feel like you've grown in some way in your gifting over the last year, keep your hand up. Okay, great, thanks. You can all put your hands down now. Um, So, admittedly, this is based on my probably limited ability to quickly read a room of hands. Um, But it seems like about 50% of us, maybe a bit less, kept our hand up for the first three questions, and then it dropped a fair bit for the last one. Um, And I just think that's really interesting. And my... Look, by the end of this morning, if we can't get the whole room... Everybody in here who's a believer of Jesus, who follows him, who's a disciple of him, to put their hand up and keep it up for that first question, then I've not done a good job, okay? Um, that, that, I'll just say that at the start. Um, so I'm hoping that a good portion of people who didn't put their hands up just weren't paying attention, because um, it might make my job a little easier. But that, that's the simple aim, is that I want all of us who are believers of Jesus here this morning to know that God has gifted us for purpose. Doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter whether we're using it or not by the end of this morning, but to know that God has given us gifts is my simple aim. Okay, and my prayer is that as we, more of us will leave this room at the end of this morning, being able to have our hands up with a kind of, for all four of those things, with a desire at least, and an intention to discover our gifts, to use them and to grow in them. Um, So I am going to structure this morning just a little bit differently to normal. I'm going to try and answer five simple questions, uh, really. uh, Who are spiritual gifts for? You know, hit the first question, nail on the head straight away, hopefully. Uh, What are the spiritual gifts? What are they for? What should we be doing with them? And then what might stop us from 
using them. And there's kind of four main sections in the New Testament that talk about spiritual gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. And we're going to touch on all of those bits to some extent. We don't have time to read through all of them, so please do go home and read and ask questions of these small group leaders and whatever else. Um, but we're going to touch on all four of those passages. And that first question, who are spiritual gifts for? Hopefully we can answer pretty simply and pretty quickly, because the Bible is abundantly clear on this. In all four of those sections of scripture I just mentioned, Paul and Peter say that we have been given gifts. So Romans 12, having gifts, and these, the underlines are original to Paul, of course, I found his Bible. Um, the, that didn't go down well, did it? Uh, <laughs> the Romans 12 says, having gifts that differ. Okay, we have gifts. 1 Peter 4, as each has received a gift. Ephesians 4, verse 7, grace was given to each one of us. And 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Okay, the Bible is abundantly clear. We each have a gift from God. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, you are gifted by God. Okay, simple. Hopefully, we can answer that first question now. Right, we don't, they're not, it's not something we've earned. It's not something that's innate to us. They're gifts of God's grace, empowered by his spirit. And all these gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 says, are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one of us individually as he wills. Okay, they're not for some team of leaders. They're not for some team of superheroes. We all have a gift. The Bible is very clear. So we all have a gift, but what are they? What's yours? What's mine? Well, there are quite a few that are listed in the New Testament. Okay, so there's 13 in 1 Corinthians 12. There's seven in Romans 12. There's four, maybe five uh, in Ephesians 4. Uh, 1 Peter 4 talks a little bit more broadly about different types of gifts, serving and speaking gifts. So let's just read some bits. The scriptures aren't going to come up, um, but I'll read them out. So we're starting in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8. It says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance or the word of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to, to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, and then skipping down to verse 28, uh, Paul says, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Okay, so that's just in Two short passages in 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, let's jump to Romans 12, where there's another seven. You don't have to remember all of these. There's not tests at the end. Um, Romans 12, verse uh, 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. 
If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts or comforts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, another seven. I am rushing through these, I'm aware. Um, And then there's four more, I think, listed in Ephesians 4 starting in verse 11, maybe only one or two of which are new to us that we haven't already read out somewhere else. So starting in verse 11, Paul says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers. Okay? There is quite a lot of gifts listed in the New Testament. Is that all of them? Do we all have to have one of these gifts? Well, I think uh, it's a fairly safe assumption that the answer is no, um, for two reasons. Uh, Firstly, none of those lists in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, in Ephesians 4, or in Romans 12 are complete. Okay, there's not one list in the New Testament that has every single thing that's listed. Okay, there's some, sometimes some are missing, sometimes some have been added. Now, it is, of course, possible that in the providence of God, Paul, when writing these three letters over nearly 10 years, uh, probably of many more letters, that we, some of which we probably don't even have in the Bible, but he happened just to cover all of the spiritual gifts that are available to believers. I think it's probably more likely that he didn't, and that he just mentioned the gifts that were on his mind when he was writing the letters, or that were relevant to the points that he was trying to make, or to the church that he was writing to. The second reason I think that this is not an exhaustive list is that you'll notice that some of those gifts that were that I just read out, sorry, excuse me, were fairly natural for want of a better word, right? Teaching, helping, administrating, serving, comforting, giving. Okay, these are things we can find in people who aren't believers of Jesus. Right? There are good leaders all around the world. They don't have to be Christians. Um, So they're not exclusive to us. And um, I think also, uh, actually, I think Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse uh, 3, that it is not a spiritual gift, however, if it is not an expression of faith. Okay, so for it to be a spiritual gift, it needs to be an expression of faith. It needs to be done in, through, and empowered by the Spirit. So you can find the best leader out there in the world somewhere, the, you know, the biggest philanthropist or the best administrator or whatever it is, um, but it's, their gift is not a spiritual one unless it's done in and through and empowered by the Spirit. Um, and secondly, as I said the other week when I was talking about caring for the poor, quite a lot of these uh, gifts that Paul lists in these different passages are things that all believers are supposed to do, right? So we are all, as believers, supposed to give. We're all supposed to comfort one another. We're all supposed to teach one another. Iron sharpens iron, okay? These are all things that we are all called to do. And as I mentioned uh, the other week, there will be some of us, though, that give more of our lives and our time and our money and our energy to certain things. And I think it's fairly safe to say that you could say that's because they have a gift of mercy or of leadership or of giving or of whatever okay and 
that all of that kind of adds up to make me think that, well, of course you can have other more natural gifts that aren't listed in the Bible, like the gift of hospitality or the gift of empathy or the, you know, something again that we're all called to do as believers that you can find in us, but that somehow God has empowered by his spirit in certain individuals amongst us to um, give us more in them, more of our time and energy and lives given to them. I am waffling already. Um, <laughs> the point that I am trying to make uh, in lots of words is that while the Bible lists some gifts, we shouldn't waste our time worrying about putting a name to the gift that we have or trying to identify it with one that's listed in the Bible. It's a, I'm not saying that they're not important, they're in scripture, clearly they're important, okay? But the point is that whether we can easily identify our gifts or not, we have been gifted by God and we are to crack on using our gifts and being who God has called us to be. So, what are the spiritual gifts for? We all have a gift, we all maybe more than one, okay, as followers of Jesus, they might be one of the more supernatural ones, like prophecy or tongues that we heard an example of this morning, or working of miracles, which um, is a gift I'd quite like. If I could turn water into wine, I'd make a, an absolute fortune just from Nigel and Helen. Um, <laughs> but, um, so they might, they might be more supernatural gifts. They might be more natural ones, like teaching or administration or serving they might be not listed at all. They might be something like hospitality or empathy. or okay. But the point is that we all have a gift and that we're supposed to use it. But what for? Like, what are they for? And again, I think the Bible's pretty clear on this. So we're just going to take a look at a few more verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Uh, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common goods. Ephesians 4. And he gave the gifts that we've already read, uh, read about to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. 1 Peter 4 verse 10, again, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And then one final verse where Paul is actually talking about his own spiritual gifts. Right at the start of his letter to the church in Rome, chapter 1 verse 11, he says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. He's saying that I may give you my gifts in order to strengthen you. Okay, so it's not rocket science. The gifts are given to strengthen others, to equip the church, to build up the body for the common good, which means it's not just for your and my benefit as those who've received the gift, but for the benefit of others. Okay, we're given gifts by God in order to give them away to other people. Now, some gifts, Paul says, do a better job of strengthening, equipping, serving, building up the body than others. So actually, we've had a really helpful example <laughs> this morning. So thank you, Deb and Ant. Um, but Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about prophecy and tongues, the gift of tongues. Um, and Paul says that nobody can understand the person who speaks in a tongue unless there's an interpretation 
given. But he says of the person who prophesies, they speak to people for their upbuilding and their encouragement and their consolation. And he says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. And he goes on to say, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I'd rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Okay, it's not that tongues aren't valuable. He says, I want you all to speak in tongues to the Corinthians and therefore to us. Uh, He clearly himself speaks in tongues a lot. Um, But he says, actually, that unless a tongue comes with an interpretation, prophecy is more useful for strengthening others in this kind of context. Earlier in chapter 12, Paul says, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Paul's saying that there's no gift that is common to every believer. Okay, we're not all apostles. We can't all prophesy. We can't all work miracles. Therefore, all of us are needed. That's his point, right? We're all needed because we all have different gifts. But we, he does say that we should still desire those ones that are more beneficial for building up others um, than others. So just to make the point again, okay, you have a gift. Your gift might be uh, more or less suited to building up the body of Christ. It might enable other gifts in the church. Your gift might actually be more focused on those outside of the church context. It might be more public. It might be more hidden. But it is equally important in in the kingdom of God. It is equally valuable. The prophets, the teachers, the apostles amongst us are no more important or valuable than the administrators, than the helpers, and than the servers. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? If the whole body possessed gifts, of healing, when would anyone plant more churches? If the whole body were apostles, when would we care for the poor? If the whole body had the gift of acts of mercy, when would we ever train new disciples? If the whole body were shepherd teachers, when would we serve one another? Right, you get the point, hopefully. God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all of us were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't require. God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, 
that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one of us suffers, all suffer together. If one of us is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You still awake? Yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully you are tracking with me. So we all have gifts, whatever they are. Um, we, are we know what they're for, they're to strengthen other people, but what should we be doing with them? And this is going to sound very obvious, but firstly, obviously, is using them. Right? We, are, we have gifts given for the benefit of not just ourselves, but for the benefit of others, for the common good. So it's not rocket science. We should be using our gifts. Okay, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but secondly, as I mentioned earlier, we should also be eagerly desiring those that are more beneficial in serving other people. Okay, the fact that we are already gifted and the fact that uh, there's clearly no person who has every gift doesn't seem to stop Paul from encouraging us to eagerly desire those gifts that are more beneficial in serving the body. Okay, praying for more, asking God for more, seeking more, eagerly, not just, not just lacklusterly, is that a word? But eagerly, <laughs> eagerly seeking more, earnestly seeking more, not for our glory, not so that we can boast, so that God may be glorified and others may be strengthened through us. But thirdly, and uh, most importantly, I think, even more than using our gifts, we are called to love. In each of these four main sections that we've touched on this morning, each passage is preceded by, interrupted by, or followed by commands to love. So Romans 12, verses 9 to 10, after Paul talks about spiritual gifts, he says, let love be genuine. Abhor what's evil, hold fast to what's good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour. And Ephesians 4, uh, after he lists the gifts, again, Paul says, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 1 Peter 4, before uh, Peter talks about the spiritual gifts, he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then, of course, the passage that many of us will know quite well, possibly because we've had it read at a wedding, uh, is 1 Corinthians, starting uh, in verse 31 of chapter 12. Earnestly desire the higher gifts, which is the bit I read earlier. Um, and I will show you a still more excellent way, he says. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I haven't got love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. 
It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Skipping down, he says, so now faith, hope, and love abide or remain. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Pursue love, he says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The more excellent way than even using our spiritual gifts that God has given us is simply to love. If you don't love well, then your gift isn't worth much anyway. If you have the gift of tongues, but you don't have love, you're just making noise. All the spiritual gifts will cease and pass away, but love will remain. Love is how the world will know that we are disciples. Love is how the world will know that God loves them. Love displays his presence and his glory. It's the sum of the Christian life. We're called to love God and to love others. So yes, as I said at the beginning, my prayer is that we would be a church that discovers our gifts, that recognizes and calls them out in one another, that uses them. But more importantly, my prayer is that we would be those who follow the more excellent way of love. Um, So I'm getting to the end. But I just want to quickly ask the question of what might stop us from using our gifts. And obviously not knowing you have one um, might be a (laughs) stumbling block, but hopefully you've answered that now. Um, But as I was preparing, there were three reasons that I just felt God laid on my heart that might stop us from using the gifts that we've been given. Um, And the first one was shame. Maybe there are things in your past that you are still carrying shame for and they are crippling you from using your gifts. Maybe there is sin in your life even now and to use your gifts would make you feel like a hypocrite and so you remain in the shadows and you remain hidden. Pride was the second one. Maybe you are unhappy with the gifts that you've been given. Maybe they're not dynamic or public enough for you. Maybe you feel like the opportunities that you've been given to use your gift are below you. Maybe pride has made it harder for you to find opportunities to use your gift and you need to rediscover the more excellent way of simply loving, which is not envious or boasting, which doesn't insist on its own way, which isn't arrogant or rude, but is patient and kind. And then the third one was fear or insecurity. Right? Maybe it's fear of what others will think of you. A fear that you'll get it wrong. Fear that God won't show up if you step out in faith. Maybe it's doubts that you don't really have a gift after all. Or that your gift isn't all that valuable anyway. Or that God's not going to use little old you. I'm sure there are more reasons, um, but 
I just want to remind us that the cross of Jesus is the answer to all of those reasons. On the cross, Jesus was shamed, bore our shames so that he may remove our shame from us. As the Bible says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. He clothes us in his robes of righteousness. And not only does he remove our shame from us, but he gives us a place of honor, calls us his sons and daughters, gives us authority, and he tells us that he will be with us always to the end of the age. It not only removes our sin and shame, not only seats us in a place of authority where we are sons and daughters of the king, but it shows us that in spite of all of our muck and our mess, in spite of all of our sin, we are loved by God completely. The God who spoke everything into existence loved you and me enough to die for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The cross also removes our pride because in it, we see that we are not good enough to save ourselves. We were dead in our sin, but God. It's by grace, through faith, that we have been saved. It is not our own doing. It is a gift of God. And the the cross points to the way of the kingdom, one where those who are least are held in the highest regard. It calls each one of us to come and die to our selves. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The cross is the answer for us. Um, So I'm going to invite you, can I invite you to stand now if you're able to? John, are you happy to, wherever you are, are you happy just to come and play some keys? We've only got a few minutes. Um, But I just want to invite two groups of us just to respond. Um, Firstly, if you know that there are things you're believing, things in your heart that are stopping you from using the gifts that you have been given, whether it is uh, fear or pride or shame or some other reason, if there's something that's holding you back, um, I'd like to invite you just to respond by coming to the front. You have a prayer team um, as well that are just going to pray for you and bless you. You don't have to share what that is. Um, But we're just going to simply ask the Spirit just to minister to you, to remind you of love, to remind you that he's with you, to remind you of the authority that you've been given. And then secondly, the other group of people I just wanted to invite to respond was was those of us who, um, who want more. Not that we're dissatisfied with the gifts that we've been given, but that we want to earnestly desire those gifts 
that Paul encourages us to. And we're just going to boldly ask God for more in this moment. He is a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. He is extravagantly generous. He does not hold himself back from us. So if you fall into one of those two groups, can I just invite you just to come to the, make your way up to the front now? Um, if there's nobody, that's fine. Great. Prayer team, if you're on the prayer team, can I just ask you to come along and lay some hands on people and start praying? Colin, Robert, feel free to jump in at any point. <laughs> and look, for those of us who um, haven't walked up to the front in this moment, let's not be spectators. Like, if you have the gift of prophecy this morning, can I encourage you to be the prophet that God has made you to be, to come up and to prophesy over these people that have responded. If you have the gift of words of knowledge and wisdom, can I encourage you just to come up in this moment? If you have uh, the gift of faith in this moment, can I come and ask you just to pray for people and use your gift on their behalf so that we are not just spectating? 